1: 9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling Text line 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at
2: Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Penny for Your Thoughts. Great to have you with us. And a little rain overnight, a little bit anyway. First time in a while for that. And a high of 78 today as the sun pops back through here in the uh, fall time here in early October. 217 356 is our number. Text line at 217-351-5357. Of course, you can email us, talk at WDWS.com. Of course, we're in election season. Midterms are coming up. A lot of uh, political ads starting to crank up. A lot of discussion in the state of Illinois about the Safety Act. That was passed in a lame duck session in early 2021. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion about what's in it, what's not in it, proposals to possibly change it, cash bail being uh, dropped, <clears throat> who's going to stay in jail with, you know, pretrial release, all of this stuff that I don't really fully understand. I mean, I, I know bits and pieces of it, and I read this and I read that. But probably like you, and if you're like me, I get, I get confused as to what's what. Well, uh, we've got a couple of folks that can maybe explain it to us and explain it about it. Maybe you've got some questions for them uh, and about them or so forth. And we'll do it uh, first hour. It will be State Senator Scott Bennett from the legislative side and then State's Attorney Julia Reitz from the legal side of things as the state's attorney as we uh, inch our way towards January 1. And there are some proposals out there, including uh, Senator Bennett's having a trailer bill or two uh, involved in some uh, tweaking of the uh, law that was passed uh, narrowly, barely, in the House. A lot of folks uh, voted against it. It was a very uh, tight vote, also in the Senate, in the wee hours of the morning. And we'll talk to uh, Scott Bennett about the Safety Act, his trailer uh, bill that he is offering, uh, what changes, what proposes, what he's hearing from judges, and all of that. And then, again, on the state's attorney side, and a few state's attorneys in the state have – filed a lawsuit against the uh, bill, against that uh, law that was signed by the governor and trying to get it stopped or changed or altered or whatever the case may be. So anyway, we'll get into that. So if you have some questions, thoughts, comments, you can call in, text in, email in, whatever you're comfortable doing. We'll start it off with State Senator Scott Bennett, Democrat here locally, and then Julia Reitz, the state's attorney in hour number two. Tomorrow on I Friday, Kent and Cassie at least will be with me. Martin O'Donnell will join me as well. As we get ready for Illinois and Iowa this weekend. All right, be safe out there. Stick with us. We're with you for a full two hours today. This will go fast. A lot of ground to cover. 909, back after this. All right, on a penny for your thoughts here as we uh, get it started in hour number one. I'm begging, I'm on News Talk fourteen hundred and and Nine FM want to mention real quick, if you've been involved in a collision, you need a uh, full-service collision repair facility, folks at Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair, south side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect exit. They uh, have A lot of great reviews. Haley and Tolono, your company's exceptional throughout the whole process. Derek and Urbana had a LeSabre he needed work on. As always, the work was amazing. Thank you guys so much. You are the best. A lot of testimonials like that. They just take the um, hassle out of having an accident, which you're all mad anyway it's yourself or the other person or whatever it is, and you don't want to deal with the insurance and it's just a headache, well, they can take the headaches out, okay? And they'll make it nice and smooth for you and get you on your way. Free estimates, all of that. Gallo-Miller paint and collision repair, south side of I-74, between the Neal and Prospect exits. State Senator Scott Bennett has made his way in. Good morning. You can pull that mic to you there. How are you? Good morning, Brian. Yeah, are Good you out of the – are you in the farm fields?
3: I'll be there in an hour. Really? Yeah, two hours probably. I keep okay. getting keep getting moisture reports uh, all morning. I'm just, just tell me what time to be there, and I'll be there. Yeah? But, uh, yeah, I expect I'll be there this afternoon. How is the moisture? Continue. Well, they're a little worried about uh, the moisture was a little high earlier in the week uh, on the actual crops, but then they're worried that the um, where I have to pull the truck is too wet right now to okay. be able to get out of the field once we leave. Oh, okay. So two kinds of moisture in yeah. this case. Yeah. yeah, all
2: right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Scott is coming on with us today. We're going to uh, kind of zero in on the Safety Act. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, of course, uh, in the state legislature, we've got Julia Reitz coming in uh, in the second hour. So we got it from the political side. You were also an attorney, though. And we've got Julia, who knows this stuff very well, too. So I think we've got it covered on a kind of a complicated story, for sure.
3: Definitely complicated.
2: Yeah. And and, uh, the Safety Act kind of Again, remind people, just the big umbrella of what
3: the Safety Act was. Well, the Safety Act was a mammoth uh, bill that passed in January of 2021. Uh, It did a lot of different things, all related to criminal justice, everything from um, require when uh, police body cams were to be used to addressing how police complaints would be filed and who would look at them. Uh, And then one component was called the Pretrial Fairness Act, which dealt with, okay, now once someone comes into the system, um, what? How are they dealt with? How is bond set? Um, and and just as kind of succinctly as I can make it, the idea was we're going to take cash out of the bond process. We're going to end cash bail. Um, and here's what that means. Um, if a dangerous person commits a crime, no matter how much money they have, they should be in custody until their trial date. other side of that spectrum is the many people that commit um ill-conceived but not necessarily uh, dangerous criminal offenses. Um, If they can't come up with $100, that doesn't make them a a risk or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea is what we're trying to do is we've gotten kind of complacent in Illinois um, and just dropped back on the cash element. So if you go to a court every day in our courthouse at 1 o'clock, the judge will hear kind of the person's criminal history, what they're accused that they did, and say – uh, I'm going to set your bond at ten thousand dollars, which means you pay a thousand dollars or ten percent to to get out. That is the end of the of the analysis, basically right now, um, before the pretrial fairness act comes in. And the idea is, you know, if that person has thousand dollars on them, maybe because a relative or a loved one uh, can come up with it, that doesn't mean that you are um, a less or more of a risk because you have access to that money. So we take that out. Um, and so um, then the question is, all right, well, what do you replace it with? And that we can have lots of discussions about. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, the genesis or the support for the bill, I know the, the Black Caucus in the House particularly, I guess, maybe in the Senate, I don't know, was, was very much for it. For what reason? What was their argument for having it?
3: Well, there's no question that in the criminal justice um, discussions that race always plays a part. Um, we have... Illinois, just by example, every objective statistic that we look at, um, the the percentage of people of color that are in our criminal justice system um, far exceeds the percentage of people of color in the community. Um, and there are many reasons for that, much longer than we have time to go into today, um, and I'm no expert on those uh, uh, reasons either. But um, I think there is certainly a um, – Difference of vantage point or perspective, depending on someone's personal life experiences, sometimes informed by their race or their um, the circumstances that they grew up, that, that determine uh, what how they feel about law enforcement and the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm.
2: And their feeling was maybe if there was a bond set, if you were not able to pay it, that disproportionately maybe that affected more black and brown
3: people? Is that correct? What? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, some of the statistics that, I, that I've that i seen just in the last few months as we've been looking through this um, suggest that uh, in the Illinois, criminal justice system, um, and it divides by race, but African-American uh, population in, in custody is something like three times what you'd find in the general mm-hmm. community. So since that's so disproportionate, I think that um, makes it of special interest to certain legislators. Mm-hmm. But I also think that a lot of it is based on wh- what area you represent. So a lot of the really disturbing anecdotes we heard um, in this uh, process came out of Cook County, mm-hmm. um, and so many of the legislators of whatever um, demographic background um, come from that area, and their constituents are are saying, "Hey, my um, friend or relative um, went to uh, got arrested for something small. They didn't have a small amount of money." They end up spending two weeks in in jail, um, which sounds bad. But it's especially bad if you're a single parent. You don't have anybody that could watch that child. If you had a, a minimum wage job that now you've lost because you've missed too many days of work, there's a lot of a lot of reasons why I think certain legislators in certain areas, particularly the Cook County area, um, are really concerned about um, the status quo right now. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm sure you've heard this before. Uh, the vote was passed at whatever it was four in the morning. Sure, uh, seven whatever it was seven hundred pages. I'm sure you've heard this before. How can people vote on something that that big, that time of the day? It seems rushed. Uh, you voted yes. I know Andy Menar voted yes. Another downstate uh, senator. What? Tell me about your vote. I ask coaches a lot. Okay, you went for it on fourth and two. Why did? What was your thought process? So, what convinced you, I guess, to vote for it? And now I know you've got some trailers too that you're. Correct. You're pushing I'm, I'm happy to so, talk about that yeah, as well. Yeah.
3: But the the initial process. Of any major legislation. And and, and look, this isn't new. Uh, in college, I was an uh, intern for Governor Edgar, a Republican, actually, mm-hmm. um, and covered a little bit of the, the General Assembly as in my very minuscule duties. Let's <laughs> not overstate what I was doing as an intern. But I remember in my report I had to write at my college, one of my complaints is, why does everybody wait to the last minute? To get this stuff done nobody's acting with any urgency the first two months of the session and then every hearing goes until one o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. um the last night is famous you're on the floor all night long until the very last minute you can pass stuff and i will tell you with my own kind of um i don't know body calendar or whatever i'm not a night person so i'm Mm -hmm. miserable from eight o'clock on because i know we're going to be there till four or five o'clock in the morning and then i have to drive back to champagne so, I'm not happy with that either. What I will say is, I think a little of that is disingenuous. I think um, those that want to be part of the process um, were part of the process for this. Um, I will tell you what we were doing till three o'clock in the morning um, was negotiating on this bill um, and talking to and and for months leading up to it It wasn't like we didn't start at midnight. Um, but you know it's it's this push and pull of the sponsor of whatever legislation, whether it's the budget or criminal justice bills, saying, I'm trying to get to thirty votes in the Senate, and then going desk to desk, what will it take for, for you to see eye to eye? And and possibly, like in that case, I remember saying, well, here's what my constituents, including law enforcement officers, are really concerned about in the original language. And so some of those things were removed in the final bill, which is mm-hmm. part of why it takes so long is they're removing things and putting these back in, um, depending on the negotiations. And then you end up voting for it, um, and so the the one thing I've tried to to talk to people about this on our social media pages because it does sound bad eight hundred pages how can you read it well one thing is and I brought a copy of one of our trailer bills it's not eight, it's not like you sit down with I don't know a Harry Potter book or some eight hundred pages and try to read all of it. We have a thing called track changes, so you know it's the original bill. Any language you're taking out is crossed out. Any new language is underlined. So you're just looking for specific things in each page, and so you know it might be a whole page where you're only adding like a line and a half, um, and so it's very easy to go through it and say, okay, well we agreed this was going to be taken out. I see here it's crossed out. That was what I wanted, mm-hmm. um, but it was it wasn't as if the first time most people looked at it. Um, was at 3 o'clock in the morning. And if that was the case, it was almost willful on their part because the bill was actually filed. I was having conversations with sponsors as early as December of 2020. So those Mm -hmm. bills were filed. We have staffs that help us get up to speed on those, Mm -hmm. um, and it has to come through certain committees. So I don't think that's the most either honest or transparent way to say it. That's a convenient way to say it is, Mm -hmm. well, I didn't have enough time to, to read it. But I have a feeling that no matter how much time, some of those people weren't planning on reading it mm-hmm. or voting for it.
2: And it's just kind of like a, like an appendix. or I mean, it's like a um, – what do we do when we wrote papers in college where you do the – as you're getting the bill, as you're getting the updates, then yeah. you know – you don't have to reread it all because you know exactly these are right. the things that I'm concerned about. You change them for me, so now I'm voting yes. Exactly that, right. Yeah, so okay. I'm
3: looking in a specific section to make sure that – um, when I asked for you to add the word or threat to the community, that that got in the bill in that section. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, there there aren't oversights when that happens. Um, but, you know, and that's one of the things I think we try to address in one of the trailer bills that we filed is, you know, just like when you were doing anything last minute, but the budget, we always see this. I did a big bill on, on – um, coal ash uh, pollutant in vermilion county two years ago and we had two trailer bills on that. Sometimes like while you're negotiating a bill, something will come up like, oh, I wish we had a place to, to put this in. And either because it's too late in the session to go all the way through the committees again with it mm-hmm. or because it doesn't fit naturally in the original bill, you just have to agree to say, we're gonna come back and address that in future legislation called trailer bills.
2: All right, several texts and emails and calls. We're talking with state senator Scott Bennett about mm-hmm. the Safety Act uh on the trailers now obviously you talked to judges you've talked to legal folks is that what prompted you to say on one the, the trailers to say okay now that i've
3: let's clarify some more sure in addition to well, what you had and let's talk this has got a lot of attention because there's so much attention on the cash bail portion, right right mm-hmm. but the the trailer bill that i filed uh last week i think it was yeah um is the third trailer bill to the safety act the First, because the the Safety Act had many bills in it, basically, big bills. And so they had three different effective dates when they would go into effect, right? That makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we tried to, to take on those issues piecemeal um, and say, okay, the first trailer bill we're going to address was only the part of the bill that took effect in July 1 of that initial year, 2021. Mm-hmm. Then the second one we passed dealt with the part of the bill that took effect January 1 of the next year. And then finally, um, and no one was super excited about coming back to because I, I need to describe what these are like. These are round robin, uh, thirty people around a table, or more recently around a Zoom, putting forward like I represent the public defenders, I represent the state attorneys, I represent the sheriff's association. Here's why I hate what's on this page, and then somebody else must like it because they got in there in the first place, and then we discuss it, and sometimes find a resolution, and sometimes go well, it's clearly not going to get solved today. It could we table it till tomorrow's meeting? Um, and so that's part of it is I think when we said, all right, well, we've got this cash bail part coming. It's uh, all spring. We were talking about it um, informally, at least. And the idea was when you want to get the band back together uh, and talk about that portion of the bill. Um, and, and, you know, now with uh, it going into January 1, that calendar doesn't change. Right. So mm-hmm. it's uh, now we are are down to the veto session, which is not unusual. Again, legislators love to. Um, wait until the deadline which is frustrating for those watching and those in it but it's just a matter of until the urgency gets there mm-hmm. you just don't see people willing to sit down and talk unfortunately mm-hmm. again visiting
2: with the state senator scott bennett uh, so what specifically are a couple of the things you want to change or you're looking to
3: change well one of the big issues i think that has come up in my conversations with with courts and clerks and and uh, both public defenders and states attorneys is the idea of what's called a detention net and, and so certainly as the election gets closer, that has been picked up by people who are uncomfortable with it and said, well, you know, we are talking about giving judges more discretion. But there's an area in the bill um, that actually says there are certain things that um, you can't deny pretrial release for. Um, it's a very small subsect, um, but uh, with some shoehorning, you can uh, point out some offenses that could fit into that that sound really scary or maybe actually really scary. Um, and so, one of the things that um, I've kind of come down on is, well, we should have objective standards for who is a flight risk, who is a danger to the community, mm-hmm. um, no matter what crime they. But I'm not a fan of absolutes. I'm not a fan of saying, you know, we can't consider this or that we have to uh, impose this. Um, and for years, that's been the, that's been the way we've aired to say it's a mandatory uh, imprisonment or mandatory. Sentence and what's the point of having a judge that's experienced and smart and well paid to be up there to hear the facts if they're like well my hands are tied like the federal system has a common complaint from your frequent guest Ed McCuskey yes, uh-huh. ago what's the point of having me up there if I you know <clears throat> yeah here's what it says it, yeah, yeah I'm, and so I w- I'm not yeah. a fan of that and I don't want to make I don't want to make Illinois um, an extension of that and so one of the things we did was is put in standards to that and say. Um, you know, here is the standard we're looking at for willful flight. Um, Someone missing court, particularly during the pandemic, um, isn't always because somebody is like in the movies on the run. And and typically they don't have the resources to be, to get anywhere. Um, More likely it's, oh, I didn't have transportation or I've got, you know, uh, I was dealing with an issue with my family and I forgot that was this morning. Um, And those are the calls you get. And what I always say is, An example of that is if you call any local courthouse, state attorney's office, judge's chambers, uh, and I'm an attorney in my other profession, uh, circuit clerk's office, one of the first things on the automated message will say, if you miss court, you cannot leave a message on this number. You have to, you know, contact your attorney, which just tells you how many of those calls they get. Right. Is Mm -hmm. people going, I'm not running. I forgot I had a nine o'clock. I want to get there today. I, you know, I don't want a warrant out for me. And um, I think we have to make a difference between those two, where someone and we once a year or so you read in the and, and state senator reads might have a, a, a more specific on that. Where it's still a big enough deal that it's front page news if somebody does flee a jurisdiction, um, and obviously we don't want that. We want the process to to, to take its um, to, to run its course in in a way that's respectful mm-hmm. to the victims as well.
2: All right, State Senator Scott Bennett, with us. Uh, let me get a quick break in, and then we'll get to your calls and comments here. We got a bunch already, and Perfect. we'll do that real quick here in just a moment. Thank you. One
4: more from you I drift away.
2: On a penny for your thoughts with State Senator Scott Bennett. Julie Reitz will join us in the next hour, so we're digging into the uh, Safety Act. So, a lot of questions may overlap. Nine thirty-four. All right, let's see what people are thinking about here. Uh, Paul, go ahead. How are you?
5: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm in in favor of this bill, and uh, your tweaks probably, everything needs tweaking, but uh, unintended consequences are something that I'd like to ask you about, and I'd like to offer one. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the reasons the prosecutors are so against this is because plea bargaining will be undermined. I think it's called coercive plea bargaining by some critics of the system. So many people don't get their day in court, because they're in a situation where they can't pay, they're going to lose a job. So they they take a plea for a lesser crime or something like that. I don't know exactly uh, how you're going to respond to that. But since so many cases are not adjudicated, and they go to plea, people should have their day in court. What do you think?
3: Hi, Paul. Uh, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, for 20 years now, I've been a lawyer on both sides, prosecutor and defense side. Um, and um, I understand the uh, the idea that um, some people often say, um, I only took that because it allowed me to get out of, out of custody. So think of it a situation where somebody is in, in jail, uh, say for a domestic battery, and there's an offer made for um, uh, nobody's posted their, their bail. Um, and in and cash and, and money. And so, um, if an offer is made to say time served and probation, um, that somebody says, well, I only took it because it allowed me to get out that day. All right. But that wouldn't make any sense if it's a, a, a more violent crime or I shouldn't say more serious. Obviously, domestic battery is serious, but a, a crime that would necessitate a, 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 a penitentiary stay, a prison stay. Um, wouldn't work for what you're describing. But for the lower level stuff, I, I can understand that concern. Um, and the issue then, I think, becomes, um, and, and so that's why I, I think we've tried to address that in our trailer bill in 4228. I, I think this, the goal is, is the same. Nobody wants to put, um, and I know you've called our office, and I, I think that it's the same, Paul. Um, and so uh, it's, you know, you, no one is trying to say no, we think cash is it's better to have cash in the system. Um, I could spend plenty of time talking about people that were, were charged with extremely dangerous violent offenses that had some relative um, that mortgaged their house or had farmland or had a, uh, or certainly didn't believe they were guilty of it and showed up at the courthouse with a bag full of money. Um, and they were released that day. but they are still the same danger either way. Um, no one wants to put cash back into the system. The idea is, I think, if we can if we can start with the assumption that no matter how much money you have, it doesn't make you less or more of a danger to the community then I think we'll be able to get to a good spot. I think there are a lot of people that don't think anybody should be in custody. Um, and then I think there are those that don't want to see people released for any reason um, and for a variety of reasons. Um, and they feel safer if everybody's in custody until they get their tax bill and realize that um, somebody's got to pay for all that. Uh, but the um, I think the, the trailer bill that we put in in 4228, and there's ongoing negotiations on it, um, try to try to thread that needle and say, we want somebody to determine an objective dangerousness standard, um, but we do not think that money um, is the decider as to whether you're a danger or not.
2: All right, back to the phones here. State Senator Scott Bennett. John, you're up next. Go ahead. Hi. Hey, um, I have a question
6: that I just don't understand why these bills get passed in the middle of the night. I realize the disparity and things need to change but just don't understand why they get passed in the middle of the night and then worry about it later, getting it straightened out when all the state's attorneys were against it. I just don't understand why it isn't done right the first time.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a and trust me, I think it was this year when it was after midnight when we started to uh, discuss. Sometimes you're waiting for it from the other chamber. So in budget, that's often the issue. If a budget starts in the House – we can't take it up in the Senate till it passes, and if they have, as, as often as the case, a very long debate in the House, you can see all our faces because I know the first thing Senator Rose is going to say um, from Muhammad, uh, and it's, I'm motioning to my right, he sits I'm about a row over to my right, is, well, here we are again, it's midnight, and I mean it's a, it is, it is a a, a great line because it makes everybody feel like, boy, there must be something insidious if you're doing this so late uh-huh. at night. Um, the, the fact is there's a lot of reasons behind it. I talked about a little bit at the top of the show, um, but the fact is um, a lot of negotiation just won't get done until there's pressure on, and often that's because it's the last day of the session or there's a big committee deadline coming up and they realize we've got we've to uh, push this. But the fact is in Springfield, we have a saying that it all comes down to 30, 60, and one. You need 30 Senate votes, 60 House votes, and one governor to sign it, um, and When the people pushing a bill, and this was true of any bill I've ever done, when I've got to that number, I'm pushing for it to go. And I don't care if it's midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning because tomorrow somebody might get sick, um, tomorrow somebody might change their mind, and then I don't have 30 votes anymore. So when you you were to the point where you feel like all this work, now I've convinced the number of votes I need to get – um, that sponsor is typically pushing for less sleep and more um, action on the on the mm. legislative yeah. form
2: all right john okay. thanks john thank you yeah. yeah i think and what some people though i think what they um and i'm sure you've heard this too i mean it was a lame duck session mm-hmm. right before i mean in the wee hours of the morning sure. and people i think people jumped to the conclusion that well there must be something nefarious up. If that's what's going on. Yeah. And,
3: and, and I understand because I think that was part of what we worried would would happen too. Because then you don't have to talk about the and, – and that is – I'm so happy that you invited me on, Brian. Because, I mean, when we talk about can we agree on these standards that cash shouldn't – doesn't keep you safer, most people of all backgrounds – when I say that to somebody, if I have the time, go, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to argue. So instead you go, well, it's just going to be a revolving door. It's going to let people ride out. There's nothing that can hold them. I'm like, well, that's simply not true. It's just not cash. But then you start saying, you know, you're arguing a different, what's it called, a straw man debate. You're not arguing the the points, the merits. You're saying, well, let's talk about this over here. Can you defend at 4 o'clock in the morning? Like, I would prefer not to be doing it, quite honestly. But I don't. I don't make the schedule. Um, You're I would just w- there like to be asleep by you know ten <laughs> o'clock at night, per, preferably. But although I will say this, um, in my office before in the, in the Capitol before we got moved, um, I had a really really small couch. And one of the staffers came in just this spring and said, "Oh, can I sit in your couch?" And I said, "Well, that's the couch." I got about forty five minutes of sleep on in the last night of the tw- uh, lame duck in twenty twenty one. And he looked at me and laughed. He goes, "Oh, you guys got to sleep." You know, I was, like, I was like, I hadn't thought about that. We were the ones saying we want this in the bill, and then they had to go out and get it in the bill, right, to actually do that work. So even, the you know, whether it's staff or legislators or constituents, nobody's happy with that process, but it's been going on for a real long time. Mm. All right, State Senator Scott Bennett with us. Mark, go
2: ahead.
5: Uh, good morning. Thank you for being on State Center. It's taken us a long time to get you here, since I've been asking about for about a month and a half. But my question is very simply: When you're an assistant state's attorney mm-hmm. in traffic, you would ask you would ask for a bond for DUS, DUR, DUIs. Why didn't you just ask for an ROR? I mean, when you are an assistant state attorney, why didn't you just ask for RR if these folks are and domestic batteries? Why didn't you just do that all the time and not ask for cash bail? You've asked for cash bail in the past. Suddenly, it's wrong to ask for it. Well, and let me say this: and I find it, and I find it, and I quite frankly, I find it disingenuous. You know, we talk about this trespassing issue. Uh-huh. You know, where somebody comes on your property. And now the state's attorney or the, the Supreme Court says, well, they can be moved off the property. How are you gonna get them moved? You gonna put them in a squad car when then they'd be under arrest? Are you gonna ask them to walk off the property to the property line and then just stand there for the next 72 hours? This bill was what I call wokeism at is extreme okay and you know i hear the governor i hang on one second i hear the governor tell me all the time about there's some woman in jail somewhere for stealing a box of pampers for three months i beg you i plead with you to show me one instance of anyone in jail in the state of illinois for having stolen a single box of pampers
3: okay well, well, Mark, you clearly okay. have more access. <laughs> you Kalei have more access to the governor. Than I do. I don't. I don't talk to him all the time. But if he talks to you, uh, it sounds like you're uh, you're having these conversations. Look, I don't know. I don't know about that specific instance of the three months. We hear a lot of anecdotes about people that get forgotten about in the system that we get that get overlooked. Um, as an attorney, I take a special. Um, kind of a resentment to that because that is a is a stain on my legal profession um, like what's the lawyer doing I mean you know all, you know in, in Champaign County we have uh, every um, month or so we have uh, a court hearing and if the judge is doing what they're supposed to do and the defense attorney says actually they can't say in Illinois have to put it in writing with an affidavit we need more time judge um, the judge will say are they in custody and if there's not a good reason for the for the um, continuance, the judge should say, no, it's set for trial because we have to keep this thing moving and we don't want people unnecessarily sitting there too long. Mark, one of the things you said earlier, and there's no question I've evolved on this issue. One thing I was going to say is when it comes to dri- DUSDUR, that means driving under revocation, driving under uh suspension for those not in law enforcement that might be listening, uh, or DUI. That's all um, covered under a different statute, not the Safety Act, but under a different statute which sets a statutory amount of bond, um, which allows those people to post a certain amount. They don't have to wait for a judge. They post that money, usually on a credit card, and then they get released once they're safe, once they're not uh, a danger. They certainly aren't giving the keys back, but um, assuming they can get a taxi somewhere at whatever time of night it is, that gets addressed. But I will say, when I was a, uh, a newer prosecutor, I also felt like I think a lot of people do, which is I feel safer when someone on my watch is in custody. Um, and so I would ask for high bonds. Um, I would sometimes ask for cash bonds when um, I don't know that it was a safety issue so much. Sometimes I think I did, but sometimes I just felt like, well, this, I don't want the witness. To be work, Whether or not there was a legitimate danger, I didn't want the victim or the witnesses in the case to be concerned about running into them in a small town or wherever they might live and thought, well, okay, so I'll ask for a bond here and feel like I've done my job. Then I had a few cases, and I'll be really brief on one of them. One of them where um, the person was accused of um, molesting a foster uh, child um, and um, what, faced a significant amount of time in jail. And ha- the judge said a very – I mean, the guy was facing, um, if not life, really close to that. And the, and the judge, I think, thought they were being very hard on them and set a very high bond, not knowing that the father-in-law of this person, who certainly didn't believe that person had done those crimes, um, was a prominent physician here in Champaign-Urbana. Well, they showed up the next day, both posted a uh, bond, and we were hiding – um, the foster child in a foster home about two hours away, that person went immediately to find her. Now, how he found where she was, I don't know. Hmm. But it went immediately to the new foster home and talked to her. Um, thank goodness didn't try to hurt her. But I, I remember my kind of thinking behind it kind of changed. I'm like, well, that it was like a million dollars bond, which is $100,000. That's not a small amount of money. But people have it if, they, if they're worried about their loved ones sitting in jail and they have Assets, right? Mm-hmm. That we that person was as big a danger to the community as anybody I can think of. But he also had access to a lot of money. Bond did not keep that victim or any other victim any safer. Um, and I'd rather judges have more more discretion than just setting a money amount. Yeah, is Illinois the only state right now that is looking to do this? As far Cal- as you California know? has done some okay. things. Uh, I know Senator Rose. Kind of pointed that out earlier in the week. Um, New Jersey, uh, New York has tried different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Illinois is the only state that's doing it a certain way, and um, I will say part of what 4228 our trailer bill did was look at what is working for New Jersey and saying, can we try to emulate that? Um, that's a common thing in legislature and legislation rather to see we've got 50 states, 50 different ways to do handle a problem. What's working, what's not, and try to take the best practices. Okay, Uh, with State Senator Scott Bennett, nine forty-eight.
2: Mark is up next. Hi, Mark.
7: Hi there, Senator Bennett. How are you today?
2: I'm I'm good.
3: Thanks for calling.
7: You know, since you've taken office, I want to know how you made our lives better, and how any Democrat has. How, you know, inflation is higher, crime is higher, everything is worse in our life since you've been elected. And you voted for all these, so why should we vote for you
3: again? <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, that's a little uh, slightly off topic, but you know, a, so little, what, a little a, bit. A little yeah. bit. And, yeah. uh, but Mark, I here's what I'll say: this isn't a, this isn't a campaign uh, stop. I'm here to talk about legislation. One thing that I can I can certainly say we are proud of in the um, I guess I've been in office about seven years is the financial aspect. When I came in, um, the discussion was how poorly Illinois was run as, as a fiscal unit. Right. And so people would call into this show and call my office and say, I pay my bills at home. Why don't you pay your bills? Well, in part, it was because we had a governor, then Governor Rauner and the legislature that wouldn't meet, wouldn't agree on the budget. And so money kept getting spent um, because of court decrees. But there wasn't an agreement as to the revenue coming in. We ended up with um, if you were a vendor to the state in Particular, if you're a healthcare provider like Carl, and you have a lot of state employees that are using your services, that meant the state was like a year, sometimes a year and a half behind in paying its bills, and the and the bill backlog got up to almost twenty billion dollars. Um, we have worked really, really hard since that time. I think we are down now to about a billion and a half, which is a lot, but we are essentially to a what is what is considered a normal. Uh, billing cycle. A vendor will submit a bill to the state and two or three weeks later they get their money back. They don't; It isn't a big question mark as to when that money will arrive. So whether you're a dentist, a doctor, a uh, uh, you know, pharmacy, what, what have you here in Champaign, um, there's some reliability. Also, um, we've put a um, billion dollars in the rainy day fund knowing that um, there will be hiccups, including a pandemic that will that will come about as we're as we're going along. Illinois has not exactly set money aside um in the past. And so um that's one of the things that we're proud of. And of course, you know, this year alone, we are doing what, Typically, I mean, you you ask about it on a partisan stand. I hear Republicans say a lot. If there's an excess um, of money in, in the government, send it back to taxpayers, and we're doing that this year, um, sending money back for um, a part of a property tax and income tax rebates. The checks are going out in the the end of the mm-hmm. summer, and then it'll continue mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So there are several things I think we can point to, and our credit. I mean, our credit um, rating has gone up six times in the last four years. Um, so by all these kind of objective accounts, I mean, you might not like, because based on your own political view, um, you may not like some of the bills we've passed. But some of the things that aren't partisan, just simply are we paying our bills? Are we um, are are we setting the state up for to be um, better off in the future financially? I think it's clear we are. All right, quick break. State Senator
2: Scott Bennett here in our final moments. Julia Reitz coming up after 10 in just a moment. To Time for me to All right, 9.54, Julia Reitz will be in after the news at 10, talking about the safety act. We could probably talk about this for four hours <laughs> if we wanted to. Uh, we're trying to get to everybody we can here. Uh, did only one representative write the bill, or was it written in a committee? Someone wants to know. Um, I'm assuming they mean the original bill.
3: Yeah, the original bill would have would have certainly been a a, a big group of people. Where mm-hmm. I mean, in just when it came to this, I mean, started in the Senate, um, and I will tell you that um, when I was there, I bet you know in some of those conversations there were probably uh, seven, eight people that were there, um, and then, of course a lot of different input from a lot of different stakeholders as well, from law enforcement to public defenders to defense attorneys to judges um, we try to take a lot of input in fact that's going on right now with the trailer bills mm-hmm. as well yeah
2: what do you expect to happen uh, with the trailer bills can we get some changes by
3: before I, November or by January I guess I'm very optimistic about it. your next guest is um, not only the Champaign County State's Attorney but she's well thought of enough that she was elected as the president of the State's Attorney Association she's been uh, very helpful in um, getting people to the table I think the problem is a lot of times people assume they're gonna get their way and they'll show up at one of these meetings and say, well, we want X. Um, and then they don't realize there's gonna be a give and take with that. None of us are kings. We don't get everything we want, even legislators. And so you have to be willing to push and pull. And so some people will just won't come back if they don't get what they want and then, then their people they represent have no voice. Mm-hmm. Um, we are probably doing four hours a day of conversations right now on the trailer bills um, to, uh, I think Paul's question earlier, um, how much negotiation is happening, but I will tell you. Yesterday we had a really, um, I thought I, I was I left feeling very optimistic, a very encouraging uh, two and a half hour session where we went through maybe six seven points, um, trying to kind of reconcile the House trailer bill, which I think is five three three seven, um, and then the trailer bill I filed in the Senate, and say look, there's a lot of overlap here. Can we reach some consensus on this? Because even if if I said no, I'm going to have it my way, I'm going to have my trailer bills going with no changes is going in. I got to get the House of Representatives to vote for it too. Mm-hmm. And so it would be better to have some kind of consensus coming in to those who aren't spending four hours a day on it. They go, okay, well I know Representative Slaughter um, negotiated in some of these, and he's a, vo- a leader um, in the House on these issues. Um, and you know we'll see if uh, my my um, Presence there hurts my bill in any way with uh, with my members uh, in the Senate. And then um, we'll we'll see if we can get something. But but I, I felt very, very optimistic yesterday. I felt like we were not that far apart. And I think that phrase, State Senator Reitz was there, um, so you can ask her about her specific impressions as well. But the phrase, I don't think we're that far apart. Mm-hmm. Um, came up multiple times throughout the two hours. Mm-hmm. So if it can't get passed, it would be passed in the veto session. It would require that a supermajority right? yeah. in both houses, in uh, the House and the Senate, in the veto session, which is in November, and the governor would have to sign it. Um, supermajority because it would need to take effect immediately. And so um, if we want something to go into effect the same day that the bill uh, bill goes into effect, January one. Um, it's going to require a lot of a lot of concession and negotiation. Yeah, about a minute and a half left here, but then there's also the lawsuits, which we will talk to Julie about. Mm-hmm. But would those gum up the works? Would those? I think. A... I think, quite frankly, I understand the pressure that some states, and some of them have called me and asked kind of my advice, and I said, well, I mean, our interests are different on this, um, but I think it hurts the chance of our trailer bill getting passed, quite simply because. There's so many people there saying, repeal the whole bill, including uh, gubernatorial candidate Bailey, who says, I don't. I mean, he's in the legislature now, but instead of filing any bill that tries to make changes, he says, we just need to end the whole thing. Well, that is not going to happen. There aren't the votes. There is no interest in the legislature to undo um, the entire safety bill. To repeal it. No, no. no. I'm sorry, yeah, to, to repeal yeah. it. Yeah, And so um, that's, you know, if there's problems, we're supposed to be, we're there to bring our little corner of the state's voice into the process and mm-hmm. and and make that argument for what we can make it better with. And I, I think we can get that done. But I think if you say, hey, I've been working with state's attorneys on this bill. It's very confusing to my colleagues that go wait, wait the same state's attorneys that are trying to repeal the bill on their lawsuit. Um, And I, so they think that's what the trailer bill does. And so then you're left to try to make that argument as opposed to just talking about the merits yeah. of your bill. All right, Scott, we're about out of time. Uh, best way to reach your office or how should people? All our you? numbers are on senatorbennett.com. Okay. Um, and so we have an office in Champaign, Danville, and of course, Springfield. All right. All right. Well, you're headed for harvest now, right? I am. You said? I am. Right. Well, good. Well, you get into your farm clothes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks for coming
3: by. i, I will do this again sometime. I appreciate and, the invitation to be on. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, after January, if uh, um, it'd be nice to come back and, and, and hear from those who. Uh, are in the courthouses to see if any of the scary predictions um, are uh, are still going to happen. Yeah, are still, yeah. A, are still a concern. How about right, that? Right,
2: right. All right, CBS News is next here at 10 o'clock, and we'll come back with uh, Julia Reed, state's attorney. We'll talk more about this on WDWS Champaign-Urbana.
1: It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com.
2: Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. Hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. We're at 10.09 as we continue here. Nice and sunny after some rain overnight. We had State Senator Scott Bennett on. He's headed back to the harvest field, I guess, is where he's going next. And uh, that's underway, and the leaves are changing, and we got a very nice, uh, very nice fall day here. Talking about the Safety Act today, State's Attorney Julie Reitz will join me here in a moment. Uh, Roofs by Roger is one of our sponsors. If you had some hail damage recently, we had some uh, hail damage in our neighborhood in Muhammad. Uh, heard the staple guns going like crazy yesterday as they were doing some repair there. But if you need some work uh, done, Roofs by Roger, your local roofing specialist, they work with your insurance company, fully licensed and insured, rated A-plus with a BBB, only top-quality materials to protect your home, quality craftsmanship, professional staff, and they've got this roof washing they can... Uh, tell you about that they've got a video on gutters how they cut those and get them ready for you so if you have a hail damage or maybe you don't know you have uh, do the roof inspections through the folks with roofs by Roger. so give them a call and 217-834-3800 all right safety act is on the uh, docket today so to speak julia reitz is here now your tag team
4: good morning just heard your partner there i did i listened to senator bennett This morning. I also listened to Judge Baum yesterday um, and to Senator Rose last week. So Mm -hmm. um, I very much appreciate how much airtime you're giving this subject. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. very important. People have a lot of questions, and I'm here to try to answer them.
2: Well, we'll try to answer as many as we uh, can today. First of all, though, you just got back from France, right? I did, yes. You were riding horses?
4: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I took a vacation, which is unusual for me. I uh, haven't taken a vacation in a long time, but I went with a group of riding friends, and we rode horses in um, the wine country and it was wonderful and mm-hmm. we all had a great time. And then I came back home yesterday. I went and rode my pony and he bucked me off and I landed <laughs> on my behind. <laughs> but Said, but I got back on so, and that is uh, so. a lot of philosophical uh, things you can take from that as well.
2: So. I'm supposed to ask about Samantha?
4: Uh, Samantha <laughs> was the horse was the that horse? I rode. Okay. She was wonderful. Okay. Um, it was a great, a great time away. But yeah. I, I I will say that, you know, I, I have a very difficult time getting rid of this rectangular appendage that's on my mm-hmm. hand. Um, so I did spend some evenings on uh, Zoom calls and um, still being involved in all the things mm-hmm. that are going on here. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Well, there is a lot of stuff out there about the Safety Act. Yes. So, where your role right now, and you're the uh, Scott described the head of the state's attorneys or the chair of right. something or so, what? what <laughs> I am the you, president, president of the yeah.
4: Illinois State's Attorneys Association, okay. um, which is a a great honor. Uh, there are 102 counties in Illinois, 102 state's attorneys, and we have an association, um, and we uh, deal with a lot of different things, best practices. Um, uh, individual uh, issues, but we also are very involved in um, having our voice heard in Springfield on legislation. And mm-hmm. as the president, um, it's part of my job to be um, involved in, aware of what legislation is out there, um, be uh, giving the the position of the state's attorneys. And, you know, that's difficult because, again, 102 <laughs> different
0: Opinions. elected
4: officials yeah. and representing very different counties Um And sometimes we don't have a consensus, Um, we don't all go in the same direction. Illinois is a very diverse state. You know, one of the things I've been trying to convey in these discussions is that there are state's attorneys in small counties uh, here in our listening area, Ford County, Douglas County, you know, down in Southern Illinois, that have very different concerns and needs and issues than the suburban collar counties up north and mm-hmm. so it's part of my job to make sure their voice is heard mm-hmm. as well.
2: Is that selected by your colleagues? Is yes. That a, okay. Yes. So well, it shows a, a lot of respect. Well I've right?
4: you know I'm on my fifth term. I'm mm-hmm. one of the longer serving states attorneys mm-hmm. and you know Champaign County is a very diverse area and um, I try to be a moderate right um, which means that people on the far ends of either part of the s- of the spectrum uh, might not agree with my position, but mm-hmm. I look at it like a bell curve, and I'm a moderate in the middle with I think the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. You know, we want, and and so at the end of the day, when we're talking about this Safety Act, and I'm really going to call it the Pretrial Fairness Act because mm-hmm. that's really what we're talking about that portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we we all want the same thing, right? We want safety. We want fairness. We want people's rights to be protected and respected, but we want victims to be safe and the community to be safe and people to be held accountable for what they've done. Um, and so the question is, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. Um, the way we've done things in the past with cash bail, um, there were issues there. And as a group, the state's attorneys, we accept that, you know, things are going to be changing and that we're moving away from the cash bail system. But the question is now moving forward, how do we make this new system work um, for the the very diverse population of the state of Illinois?
2: When you first heard all of the talk about this bill getting passed, originally in January of 21, did you have any involvement beforehand or is it a case of once the bill came Mm -hmm. to the floor and was voted on, did you – more input after or –
4: Well, so I mm. had testified at a committee hearing months before, which was Mm -hmm. a Zoom hearing because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was not involved in – I wasn't the president at the time that the bill itself was – Um, passed and the, you know, overnight discussions that you talked about with Mm -hmm. Senator Bennett. But other um, state's attorneys, um, Jim Glasgow from Will County was the president of the association at that time. Bob Berlin from DuPage County was very involved in the discussions during that overnight session. Um, So our voice was heard and Senator Bennett particularly um, heard our concerns and he was able to get, and law enforcement's concern, was able to get some things changed during those overnight conversations um, that were favorable to us and to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And so he voted yes because he was able to get some things changed. So we were in those discussions, and by we I mean the collective state's attorneys, at that time, and we have been since that time just as far as um, the trailer bills that have been passed and all of mm-hmm. the other you know discussions. And so now, as the president of the association, Um, I am very involved in the discussions that are going on now.
2: Mm -hmm. So we've focused on the Pretrial Hearing Act Mm -hmm. and the cash bail bonds, which has been the biggest point of discussion in all that. Um, What's your biggest concern? What's it been, I guess? And are you satisfied that it's been helped, I guess?
4: Well, what I always think when I hear the... let's call them the proponents of this new system speaking. And it's a political time, right? We're pre-election. So um, people are using sound bites and they're, you know, and so when I hear people's, when I hear proponents say, you know, the the focus is on the risk to the community, um, I want to say, I don't think you really read all the language. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's not really what it's. It doesn't really say what you say it says, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Which is a, kind of a complicated.
2: You know, when you say proponents, proponents of the original
4: uh, right act. Okay. of the, orig- okay. the original act, okay. you know, um, because because there is a what Senator Bennett called the detention net. Um, there's a limited number of offenses for which we can request pretrial detention. And our biggest concern is that that limited list leaves out some offenses and some individuals who commit those offenses, who are dangerous to the community, mm-hmm. um, and that is that is our biggest concern. There's a lot of other procedural issues and concerns that we have, um, which we are discussing in these meetings and. At, Senator Bennett said we had a meeting yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, myself, uh, Bob Berlin, the state's attorney from DuPage County, Jamie Mosser, the state's attorney from Kane County. And I want to note that Bob Berlin is a Republican, Mm -hmm. you know, so we are a bipartisan group representing the state's attorneys. Mm -hmm. Um, We are involved in those discussions. We were invited to meet with uh, senators and representatives on the Democratic side, as well as um, advocates, I'll call them proponents of the original concepts, uh, public defenders and law enforcement leaders, uh, Jim Kajczak from the Sheriff's Association, the president of the Chief's Association, you know, so we're all involved in these discussions. And we had very good progress yesterday where we, the, the working people, the public defenders, the law enforcement, the legislators basically sat and listened to us talk through our concerns on either side. And as Senator Bennett said, mo- most of the time, the response was, you know, we're really not that far apart. We're just parsing language or that sort of thing. Hmm. Okay. You know, so I'm very hopeful <laughs> that we're going to get this resolved with Senator Bennett's bill, which I am a strong supporter of, mm. or some negotiated variety of that.
2: Well, as you say, it is political season. I'm just going to read you a couple of things, and here's where, like, I get confused, okay, because I hear hear all this, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know who's who's telling me the right stuff. Uh, One representative uh, says, on January 1st, the state of Illinois will eliminate its cash bail system. Starting next year, Illinois' non-detainable offenses will include aggravated battery, aggravated DUI, aggravated fleeing, arson, burglary, Drug induced homicide, intimidation, kidnapping, robbery, second degree murder, and threatening a public official. Okay, that's what one representative says. Right. And then I go uh, to uh, another article that says anyone charged with a, the claim is, anyone charged with a non detainable offense will be released immediately after arrest. See the graphic below, and it's the same things I read. And the fact is, it says the Safety Act does not create any non detainable offenses. Illinois law has no such thing. So I'm trying to go, okay, now wait a minute. One thing said I did, and, and so... So
4: neither and both, and can, all and...
2: Yeah, can you sort that out for me? Sort I mean, it out. Okay, yeah, so okay. the
4: first comment about there being these certain non-detainable offenses yeah, um, is correct. Aggravated battery. So um, the first part of the statute that says that lists the detainable offenses first says forcible felonies that are non-probationable that require a print a prison sentence. Okay. So um, aggravated battery is a forcible felony, but you can get probation for it. So it does not fall under that list. And the only way you could get somebody detained under the current act is if you can prove that they are a risk of willful flight, which is not just prior failures to appear in court, but is a um, purposeful intent to evade prosecution. So, I always say, you know, we'd have to show that they had a ticket to get to Atlanta, you know, or we mm-hmm. had to go to Atlanta to get them because they fled. I This would be
2: starting it. January one. Right. Right. Okay. Right.
4: You know, so so that is correct. That there are these certain offenses that fall outside of the detention net. Um, mm. that That, under the current version are non de, not detainable, and that 's what and so then, when an advocate of this new system says, "Of course, dangerousness is the first consideration that 's when I say i don 't think it says what you think it says mm, okay. <laughs> you know? um, okay. and so that 's part of the discussion um, The second part that you said anyone charged with a non-detainable offense will be released immediately after arrest, that is not exactly correct because one good thing about this new legislation is that it created this state agency of um, people who are so they're going to, the, so people who are charged with a non-detainable offense under the current act are still going can be arrested, can be held, can be brought to court and a judge can order them to comply with conditions of release. And there is a state agency and here in Champaign County we already have six people who have been hired by the state agency who are already starting to work and they're doing uh, reports for us pre, Prior to that hearing, and I've read a couple of the uh, reports that they're starting to write, and they're very comprehensive, they have a lot of information, they're talking to the defendant, they're going to check uh, employment history, all kinds of things, and those people are going to provide that report to us and the defense and the court, Mm -hmm. and the court can order them to report to those people, can order home confinement, can order them to get um, drug testing, you know all kinds of things they're going to be monitored by that um, that group of in, of uh, pre pre detention um, officers okay so mm. so it's not just that they're going to be released immediately after arrest, um, and yeah. then if they don't comply with that those conditions, there's a whole process that goes into play um, to bring them back and potentially hold them mm. um, in, in any case
2: yeah. Yeah, I get so confused. yeah, it's you very can see why complex. I get yeah,
4: absolutely. And again, you know, we're in a political time right now, and people are using, you know, sound bites and, you know, this is my position and vote for me and that sort of thing. Mm. And you know, nothing's going to happen legislatively until after the election, and then in the veto session. Right. So now mm. we're in the discussion process of the phase.
2: Because one of the things you'll hear in the political ads. <laughs> is that on january first the prisons are going to open up and all these people are going to be running around well that's a whole
4: question you know we are actually trying to suggesting that maybe we push this back mm-hmm. if we're not ready you know if across the state judges and the system isn't ready to go on January first mm-hmm. potentially we push it back while we're continuing these discussions um, there are some counties that have been pilot counties who are trying to work on this and are saying you know we're ready or we're not ready uh, that's gonna be very influential mm-hmm. but the other one of the other big questions is is this prospective meaning offenses only applies to offenses that occur on or after January 1, or is it retrospective, meaning it affects the people who are currently in custody? Like I'm
2: in jail now for something. Yeah. I'm being held.
4: Right. And so in Champaign County, we're preparing for both. We've set aside time at the end of December to potentially do hearings on the people who are in custody um, that would go into effect on January 1. But we're also researching whether... um, you know, the, the, there's a big discussion about whether it's actually that that people who are in custody now could ask to be considered under the new law, but they might not want to be. You know, mm-hmm. if they've got a cash bond and they think they might be able to come up with it, they might not want to run the risk of going to court and having a judge say, you know, you're just being held, period. Yeah, yeah. And. You know, so mm. so those are all discussions that are taking place, but there's nothing that says that on January 1st, everyone who's in has to be released. Yeah. that's just not. That's not an exaggeration. True. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Julia Reitz is with us. 10:25. She'll be with us till 11. Let me get a break in. Back with more, and we'll continue. Callers, uh, hang on, and texters as well. Back in a moment. 10:29 on a uh, Thursday. We'll do our line-eye Friday tomorrow. Martin O'Donnell will join me, our, uh, my color commentator on the football games. Of course, All-American offensive lineman. And uh, Kenton Cassie will be in here, too. We've got some open line in the first hour. And next week, we've got some other stuff planned. 10-29, uh, Julia Reitz is with us here. Champaign County State's attorney. We had Scott Bennett on. Man, this is going fast. 10-30 uh, already. Let me get to Scott here and see what he has to say. Hi, Scott. Good morning, Brian. Good morning.
4: Good morning. Uh,
2: well, good morning.
7: Uh, you made the statement that, uh, at the very beginning about how when you read the law that you didn't read it right. Well, your law was passed at a time when nobody could read it, not our, not our representatives or our politicians. They passed it in the dead of the night when nobody knew what was going on or what was in it. And now you're saying you weren't ready for it. Well, why do you pass a law that you're not ready for?
4: Okay, so let's step back. First of all, I don't think I ever said what you said I said. Um, Yes, you did.
2: did. Hang on, Scott. Go ahead. Go ahead, Julie.
4: But second of all, I'm not the legislature. I'm the state's attorney, so I don't pass the laws. My job is to take the laws as they are passed in Springfield and apply them. Um, now, I am involved as the president of the State's Attorneys Association in giving our opinion and trying to influence those laws and how they're passed and what the final result is. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the legislator. I'm not the voter. I don't, you know, I don't make those decisions, those final decisions about what is or isn't law are made by our state senators and our state representatives in Springfield. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure what what you're asking what? me.
2: Say, Hello? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead.
7: Okay. Um, basically, this comes down to, just like the school system doing right now, uh, it comes down to if you can't beat them, join them law. The, uh, the, everybody knows what the problem is. And when they had the uh, school uh, representatives on, they pointed out uh, what was the initial problem. Uh, the African community during the COVID, he said, was an atrocious turnout that kids didn't want to participate. And the same way with when they got rid of the, uh, the, um, the, oh that special class. The gifted class, because there wasn't enough persi- participation, in by one,
4: okay. One, so, uh, okay. so friend, race. I think that we're getting just, way way off topic here, and we we have you know limited time, and we want to stay on the topic of of mm-hmm. what we're here for, right? So, mm-hmm.
2: okay, I, yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, and obviously, a lot of the um, uh, the original, like, a lot of the signers or a lot of the people promoting the original bill were from. Chicago or Cook right. County or, you know, of minority that were saying, hey, there are some things in the uh, criminal justice system we think need to be reformed. Yes. And bail was one of them.
4: Yeah. And, and I yeah. mean, I have expressed frustration in these discussions, you know, that, that laws are being made that affect the rest of the state that really are being, you know, made based on issues that are not our issues, you know, that mm-hmm. are issues in Cook County. Um, I think that's a relevant issue. Um, an appropriate concern and complaint mm-hmm. um, for the rest of the state. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Uh, back to the phones here. Joe's with us. Hey, go ahead, Maybe.
7: Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You you, you said the, the safety act is, isn't the safety act. It's uh, the fairness act or something like that. But I think it's like this. And I've been in court before, and I've been – I've had bail, where my bail was thirty-five dollars, and that's been a long time ago. But when know what? When I was in there, my dad says, "You got yourself in there, you get yourself out," mm-hmm. and it took two weeks to get out then. And I don't, I don't think that anyone should be released. I don't care who they are or how much money they have if they did act where they're incarcerated or in the jail, they need to be there until they get themselves
2: out. Okay.
4: Well, I respect your dad, definitely, for yeah. holding you responsible for the decisions that you made. When I say the Safety Act, you know, there's just That's different the titles, umbrella, right? Yeah. The big umbrella is the Safety Act, and what we're talking about that goes into effect is a part of that that is called the Pretrial Fairness Act. Right. So
2: because a lot some of the bills are already in effect. Oh yeah,
4: absolutely. I mean, and I think there's a lot of things in there that people don't disagree with, requiring police departments to have body cameras. You know, here in Champaign County, we're way ahead of the game on that. Mm-hmm. We've had, you know, um body cameras in all of our departments for years. But there are many large um or departments and small departments who don't. And there's also funding available to assist them with that um through the act. So there are some things that are, mm-hmm. you know, that are good.
2: Uh, 1035, let's go to Blake here. Go ahead, Blake.
6: Julia, Blake Weaver.
4: Hi, Blake. How you doing? Nice to hear
2: from you.
6: You too. Hey, um, my question is, what effect do you think this is going to have on fees, fines, assessments, and costs?
4: Yeah. That is a big concern. Um, So, you know, when somebody posts bail, and let's say we've got somebody who, you know, has significant assets and they post, you know, the the bond is $500,000 and they come up with $50,000. We're holding that $50,000. That doesn't mean we automatically get to keep that $50,000. We do if the person is convicted and that money is applied to their fines, fees and costs. We already have it sitting in our hand mm-hmm. and it's applied and so there it is. Um, Also, if you post bond, we automatically get to keep a 10% part of that bond that you posted. So, in that sense, we would automatically keep $5,000, whether or not the person was convicted. Okay. So, the people will still be assessed those fines, fees, and costs upon conviction, but we're not going to have the money in hand to apply. Okay. And so we're going to have to, you know, they're they're either going to have to pay them um, or we're going to have to go after them. We do have a collections agency that we work with um, that will, you know, have to have to co- collect in the mm-hmm. way that you do. Um, but it is a big concern, Blake. Um, and, you know, it's definitely a big concern because a lot of parts of the criminal justice system and other organizations in the state are funded through criminal fines, fees, and costs. And one thing that we're talking with the legislatures is how, you know, is the funding mechanisms for these things and how to replace that lost revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, happily, there's a report out that we're doing really, really well <laughs> in the state. And so we're pointing out to them, you know, the state mm-hmm. has the funding and you're going to have to fund, you know, the things that, that, that are we're, we're losing by not having that cash mm-hmm. bail on hand.
6: Well, that seems to be a significant number yes. in a lot of cases that I see. And Absolutely. Either you're going to need more help and <laughs> more cost and more lawyers, or um, you're going to have to hire more outside agencies and they take their cut. Absolutely. So.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, if the idea is that the pretrial detention question should be a more robust hearing process that it shouldn't just be I think Senator Rose said oh it's you know just you say some things and they say some things and it's a five-minute hearing and now it's going to take a lot more time well I think philosophically Blake you know you can tell me what your opinion is but it makes sense that at that beginning stage when you're deciding whether somebody's liberty is going to be taken away from them before they've been proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt it probably should be a bit more of a robust proceeding you know but that means more time, more right. resources, you know, and therefore more expense. And, you know, Champaign County, we don't, you know, I didn't ask for anything more because I knew I wasn't going to get it this yeah. year.
2: Well, I think Chapin's but, point, too, was that like a smaller county, they only mm-hmm, have absolutely. one or two people to do that. And
4: right, right. How are they going
2: to get that done? yeah. Yeah.
4: And so these are all legitimate concerns and questions that we all have. And that's why we look to the counties that have been pilot program counties. And my friend Jamie Mosser, the state's attorney in Kane County, is a pilot program. And she's saying, you know, she's asked her county board for more money. And they say, well, let's see what happens. Because she is already experiencing the more time and more resources that it's taking to file these petitions that are now required. You know, here in Champaign County, and Blake, I think you would agree with me, we do things pretty quickly, and we might actually have to slow things down a little bit and not, you know, Hmm. have a hearing the next day for somebody who was arrested today Hmm. because of the, you know, the more requirements that Mm -hmm. there are to detain someone. Well,
6: yeah, I I I, I think the people who are saying this is, going to ultimately benefit um, criminal defendants in terms of fairness and equity probably have a point in some sense, but there's going to be, there's the other side of the equation, too. If if somebody who would normally get out um, fairly quickly is going to spend another two days, uh, well, that jeopardizes their job just like the current system.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, hmm. absolutely. Good
2: points. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Blake. Yep, good luck. Yep, good to hear from you. Thank you. 1040 at DWS. Uh, Speaking of that, since cash bail is used for court-supported costs, who will be supporting the court system costs when this takes place January? I'm assuming higher taxes for taxpayers? Question mark?
4: Uh, Question mark.
2: Yeah, you don't know.
4: Uh, Right. I mean, absolutely Mm. a fair question.
2: Yeah. All right, and uh, let's see here. Julia stated there are certain offenses that are non-detainable. She then explained that a judge can order compliance to conditions of release, such as house arrest, job, etc. Does the judge order compliance conditions after the person who's been charged with a crime has been let go? If so, what keeps that person from harassing or threatening witnesses of a crime before they have to return to court? What keeps a drunk driver from getting behind the wheel and killing someone prior to court? What keeps a person from hiding or cleaning up evidence prior to court running away? What will Julia's role be to ensure those things wouldn't happen? Well, Molly wants
4: to know. So that's that's absolutely the, the d- discussions that are going on about widening that detention net so that if we have somebody who we believe should be detained um, under those kinds of offenses that we can make that argument. Now, let's not forget that right now a drunk driver, a, you know, any any offense can be released if they come up with the money, and there are no conditions other than appear in court the next time. You know, mm-hmm. there might be a no-contact order that's issued in a domestic battery case, but I can't, you know, I can't physically put myself in between the person and the offender. You know, a judge can order somebody to have no contact now with cash bail, mm-hmm. um, and and that person might... Not follow the court's order, and then we react to that by filing a petition for contempt or a new charge um, mm-hmm. and asking for a higher bond. Yeah. So, the benefit to this new system would be that if somebody is detained, they can't just come up with the money to post it. The problem that we have with it is that it is limited in the number of types of offenses where we can make that request
2: hmm. all right ten forty-two. a quick break and back with more here in a moment hang on uh, charles you're up next back after this all right we've been digging into the safety act or at least the pre-trial part of all of this with tate's attorney julia Reitz. we had scott bennett on in the uh, first hour 217 One thing we have heard about is lawsuits, different mm-hmm. uh, Vermilion County State's Attorney either joined one or filed mm-hmm. one or whatever it is. So what's right. going on there? And so
4: as the association, we're taking a two-pronged approach, I'll call it. Okay. Um, so some of us are focusing on legislative changes. And then others have proceeded with lawsuits that they have filed on behalf of their sheriffs generally and in, the, you know, in, in their individual counties. And what's going to happen is all of those lawsuits are going to be consolidated, um, likely in Sangamon County in Springfield. Um, the lawsuits name the governor and the attorney general as defendants. And so because of that, they would be consolidated either in Sangamon County or Cook County. Um, the plan, the you know, the plan is Sangamon County, and then um, they would all be heard under the um, the through the work of the Sangamon County State's Attorney Dan Wright um, in Sangamon County Court, and then because there are constitutional issues, they would you know then go up to mm. the Supreme Court immediately. There's not really a time frame on that right now, no. um, but. Uh, If if there is success in the litigation side, any county who hadn't already joined, you know, can certainly file and join Mm. in or request, you know, that their individual court follow the rulings, you know, or certainly if there's a constitutional issue that's Mm. going to cover the entire state. Mm -hmm. So we're not, you know, in Champaign County, we're not losing out on anything by not filing litigation at this time. Um, but what we are doing is gaining my having a seat at the table when we're discussing um, changes. And I think we have to look at this politically. You know, Scott talked about the numbers that you have to look at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the the legislators who pushed this and passed it originally, they are in the majority, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we have to proceed with awareness of that, we can't go in and say, I demand this, Mm. you know, because they're just, right. I mean, (laughs) we've all bought cars, right? Like we understand, (laughs) you know, that we don't go in and say, I demand this. And the car dealer says, well, too bad for you, you know? Yeah. How Um, badly do you want the car? This is negotiation in a lot of ways. And so we have to understand, you know, where we, where we stand um, in that process.
2: All right. 1048. Charles is up next. Hi, Charles. Hi hello hello what do you got for us
6: the safety act uh doesn't sound too safe to me (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) it's cashless bail system huh yeah so um (laughs) so uh you said that there's non-detainable charges that like uh, aggravated battery and uh second degree murder The potentially dangerous people can get out before their trial.
4: Well, okay, so again, currently, all those potentially dangerous people can get out before their trial. Because if they they come up with the money, they can post the money and be out. You know, we we ask for very high bonds in a lot of cases, and sometimes we're very surprised by the fact that somebody manages to come up with the money, um, and frustrated, frankly. And so the cashless the the cashless bail system would either be detained or not detained, and so i I like it in the sense that for people who are very dangerous, if it's a detainable offense, and there's a lot of really serious offenses that are detainable offenses you're in and there's no opportunity for you to post money to get out. So Senator Bennett talked about a case that he handled when he was a prosecutor and he was a great prosecutor when it came to child sexual abuse cases. And he had a case where somebody you know, managed to post bond on one of his child sexual abuse cases and that would be a non-detainable offense. So you sexually abuse a child, you're gonna sit in jail until your trial and there's no possibility for you to post money to get out. So from that perspective, it's a good thing. And it's the way the federal system works. It works in New Jersey very well. But the difference between New Jersey and what the legislature has created here is that in New Jersey, any offense can be detainable. There's a catch-all. And Senator Bennett, in his bill, has added that catch-all. And any offense in which the prosecutor can show that the person is a danger to the community or a flight risk Hmm. is added in his bill that is not in the original Original, statute Hmm. so if we have that catch-all then i think we're going to be good
2: hey charles thank you appreciate your call uh let's go to jr jr go ahead
0: yeah, I just like to talk to one of my favorite persons, Julia Reese. Well, yeah. hello, Jr. I just want to wish you all the best in life, you and your family.
4: Thank you, I appreciate you take that. Care. Okay. You. Take care. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I appreciate Jr. saying my family. We were talking on the break. Uh-huh. I really need to shout out to my husband for taking care of everything at home when I was on vacation. Anyone who knows my husband knows he is an amazing human being, and I hmm. wouldn't be able to do all I do without his support. So.
2: Ten fifty one, Martel's up next. How you doing, sir?
0: I'm doing fine. How you doing, Julia? How you doing? Hi
4: now? Martel. Haven't talked to you in a while. How are you?
2: Yeah.
0: I've been pretty busy. Yeah. Um hey Julia um, I, I like the cash um uh, what y'all doing with the bail because it does make it because I know a lot of people did end up losing jobs on because they can't afford bail and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's based on risk instead of you having money, that that's a great thing. And another thing, when we talk about the money going to the courthouse, one time I was going through what your bail and your fines pay for. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff the legislature put in there where y'all got to pay out. The stuff don't have anything to do with crime.
4: I and agree I with they, you, absolutely. I
0: think they need to look at that, to, and, and y'all would have more money to the courthouse because they legislated some stuff in there. It's it, it, beyond me how they got legislated to come out your courts and fines because they still stealing money from the courthouse
4: where you could use to pay your people. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I agree with you. There's all kinds of state funds. You know, ah. if you break down the fines, fees, and costs, there's $10 that go here and $15 that go there. And a lot of it, you know, is, is state programs that the legislature should be funding, you know, right. independently right. of <laughs> taking it, it from to. Money really? that's collected huh. from from people in criminal cases. Absolutely. A million percent, Martell. All
0: right. And I'm going to say one more thing. With Mark, and I, I, I never even me mentioned names, but the last time he called me a liar, and I just said the same thing Scott Bennett said. He was on the phone with Scott, and he did not call Scott a liar. And I think <laughs> name-calling is something that we should not do. We have different opinions.
2: I agree with yeah, you I on that. I agree. Thank you, Martell.
4: Right. Have a great Appreciate day. Appreciate
2: 1053. Yep. Uh, and kind of the fees here. It's commonly believed the state only keeps 10 percent of a criminal bond, Phil says. But from the News Gazette's Jim Dye said, quote, the Chicago Civic Federation report states that 70 percent of posted bonds went to court-ordered fees and 10 percent to fines and restitution. Roughly 20 percent was refunded to the person posting the bond so as or their lawyer, unquote. Can the state's attorney tell us if that's true?
4: Well, I don't I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me and I don't know whether they're looking at that as a whole, because, again, you know, if you are if your case is dismissed or you're found not guilty, then everything other than the 10 percent is refunded to you. Now, some defense attorneys take what's called a bond assignment instead of money. And so if you post bond, your defense, your private defense attorney will file a bond assignment Saying I'm going to get paid out of what money is posted here, hmm. and so if you're found not guilty or your case is dismissed, but that's how you're paying your lawyer, then that money's going to go to the lawyer. Hmm. Um, but if you're convicted, then we're going to first take out, you know, the fi- the assessed fines, fees, and costs, and then, you know, if there's anything left over, you'll get that back, hmm. and if there's not anything left over, you owe. You know that, remainder. that
2: remaining amount. Okay, ten fifty five, back with Julia Reitz here, final segment next.
4: I was still a child. Didn't get
2: ten fifty eight. You like Adele?
4: I was just laughing about Adele singing, Go easy on me. Go easy on me. On me.
2: I don't, Adam may have, uh, yeah, may have thought Did that Did you pick through. that, Adam? A
4: yeah.
2: uh, couple of minutes to go here with State's Attorney Julia Reitz. One thing that's come up is the removal of people from property. I've heard, right. you know, hey, they're in my swimming pool and I can't get rid of them, for instance. Yes. What?
4: So I think, you know, that's one of those interpretation questions. And here's how, and one of the things that we we're discussing fixing and clarifying. Nobody intended that um, if somebody was on your property that the police couldn't remove them. Um, The idea was that the police were supposed to um, use what we call here in Champaign County a notice to appear rather than a custodial arrest in Class B and Class C misdemeanors, which really are uh, very limited. Criminal trespass, disorderly conduct, um, you know, really are, are the class Bs and Cs. There yeah. aren't a whole lot of other ones. And so, um, so in that part of the statute, the new statute, it says unless the person is a danger um, or has mental health issues that need to be addressed and upon proper identification. So if... You know, if somebody is in your swimming pool and they won't get out, and there, you know, there's a risk that there's going to be some violence. The police can take them into physical custody, arrest them, and take them in. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's somebody who has mental health issues and they're in your backyard and they won't leave, the police can take them into custody and remove them. Even with them the new act, in the yeah, new yeah. under the new mm-hmm. act. Mm-hmm. Um, And then there's the question of what does proper identification mean? And the advice that I'm giving my law enforcement agencies is that proper identification means fingerprinting and photographing. So take them to the jail. They get booked in, fingerprinted, and photographed. And as we already do, they can be released on a notice to appear. I mean, we're already doing a lot of these things Mm -hmm. here in Champaign County. We're already, you know, having our police issue notice to appears on lower level cases and not even taking people into custody. We've been doing that for years. So from my perspective here in Champaign County, I don't see this as changing a whole lot of what Mm. an officer does on the ground, you know, decision making about how to Mm. address a situation, how to diffuse a situation and resolve it, you know, in the most efficient and safest Mm -hmm. way possible.
2: Okay. Well, like I told Scott, we could probably talk about this for four hours. We but, could. Uh, we're out of time. But uh, keep us updated Absolutely. as we go along Absolutely. if something new comes up.
4: And I just want to let people know that you know that we are working in all directions to make sure that whatever happens on January 1st is going to be you know, in the best interests of the, the citizens of our community.
2: All right. Thanks, Julie. Good to see you. Thank you. Very good. Julia Reitz, Champaign County State's Attorney, uh, and this is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. need to get to the news. We'll tell you tomorrow. We'll do our OSF Illini Friday. Martin O'Donnell will join me, among others. And we got the game, of course, on Saturday night. You may have heard that, against Iowa. All right.